Today we are in a series called Getting a Grip on the Basics of Prayer, week number two. And uh, I showed you guys this last week, but if you weren't here, there's a new book that I just finished a couple of months ago. It's at the printers right now. That This is the proof of the cover. And uh, it's coming out in about, I think we're supposed to get our shipment in about two or three weeks, the first of September. So um, I've not seen the book. No one has seen the book uh, other than the, you know, on the computer. But um, we're teaching it to you guys. As a VFCer, we're giving you guys kind of a sneak peek and just, you know, first dibs, so to speak, on some of the highlights of the book. It's 15 chapters, and we only have five weeks together. And you may have noticed last week... We only got to one part of chapter two. So obviously we're not going to get cover all 15 chapters, but I just think we're going to cover whatever the Holy Spirit needs us to, to, to hit on. And the things we're taking time to do last week and this week is to really dive into what is in chapter two, which are 10 common questions people have about prayer. And we're answering about six of them in, in our time together. And we're doing it on purpose, taking a little bit of time, because if you get the answers to these questions, it will help you throughout the rest of your prayer life. Like we're going to cover a lot. And if you want to get the book when it comes out, go ahead. In fact, there's going to be two small groups. I'll mention this now. There are going to be two small groups going through the book. So if you're like, I really want to dig into this with some people. Great. You can sign up for that small group, but it'll help you with the whole rest of your prayer life. If we get these foundational things answered, the things we're talking about last week and today. So uh, with that being said, the essence of our time together, the essence of the book is in prayer. We answer, try to answer with the Holy Spirit's help, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of prayer. If we can get those things answered and get a good foundation laid, then like I said, God can build all kinds of things on top of that. And then partly, and I want you to see this scripture, Ephesians 4, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 15. I just want you to see this because I think sometimes we forget, you know, what we're all doing coming together and what, what our job is, Pastor Jeff and myself, what is our job to help you? What, what is God going to hold us accountable for? When we stand before the Lord, what is he going to hold us accountable for? And when you stand before the Lord, What is he going to hold you accountable for? He tells us in part here in Ephesians 4. It says, and he himself, the Lord, gave some, not everybody, but some, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? Why did he give us that fivefold ministry as it's known? Why did the Lord call some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Why did he do that? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, you guys are the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, I never, ever thought about you as a saint. (laughs) But we are. We're all saints in God's eyes. And And our job is to equip you, the saints... So that you can do what? The work of the ministry. Well, what kind of work of the ministry? Well, all kinds. A big work is prayer work among all the practical things that you see throughout the Bible. So our job is to equip you so that you can be effective in the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ to build up the whole body till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. Wow, there's a lot there. Everyone doesn't have great motives. Everyone doesn't have your best agenda in mind. Deceitful plotting. But our job, speaking the truth in love. We may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. That's our goal as we spend time together on Sundays and other times throughout the week, small groups and so on. The ultimate goal is this. Because this is when we stand before the Lord. This is what we'll be accountable for. Hey, how did you do with your equipping? (laughs) And for us, hey, how did you do equipping them? 
So we want to be counted faithful. You guys want to be counted faithful. And a big part of the work of the ministry foundationally is prayer. So we're going to equip you the best we can to be even more effective in prayer. John 16, let me give you a quick review. John 16, I just think this is such a great platform from which we do this series. John 16, 23, Jesus said to the disciples and to us, he said, in that day, well, what day? The day after his resurrection. He said, in that day, he knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew he would be raised from the dead. He knew he would bequeath authority to the body of Christ. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. But now here's what he says. Ask, 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 ask. Don't think it. Don't just wish it. Ask, put a voice to it and you will receive. Why? That your joy may be full. I think that's such a nice bonus that part of God's heart for you and I was that we could actually receive answers to prayers, answers to our asking, and that would result in great joy. So if you say my Christian life is not marked by this, well then just get excited. God wants it to be. God wants you to have your prayers answered. If we pray in alignment with the way he set it up, his protocols and prayer, so to speak. And as I said, we'll do our best to equip you to do it. And all the people said, all right, 10 common questions about prayer. As I mentioned, we're looking at six last week. we covered this one, really spent the whole time on this one. I prayed, but God did not answer my prayer. Why? And we took each one of these and tackled them and talked about the fix, the fix for each of these. And so here's some reasons maybe why our prayers haven't been answered in the past. Are you in unbelief? Do you lack humility? Are you walking in love? Is your request selfish? Are you praying according to God's will? Are you in a lifestyle of sin? Is there disunity in your marriage? We covered all of those in some detail last week. And then we just got started on question number two. We'll wrap it up today. This one question number two, I am single. Can I claim someone to be my husband or wife? And we talked about that and said, well, you can definitely claim and ask God for a spouse, but you can't claim another person because they have a will too, and they may not want to claim you. And so you have to make sure there's agreement there. (laughs) I claim you. No. Uh, so we talked about, you can't claim another person, but you can ask God, if you have a desire to be married, you can absolutely 100% ask the Lord to gather you by his spirit with your mate. And we looked at the scripture here in Isaiah 34 as a one jumping off point, search from the book of the Lord and read, none of these shall fail. Not one shall lack her mate for my mouth has commanded it. And his spirit has gathered them. So singles, if you're discouraged, use all that energy. Because, I mean, I remember I was believing God for a husband, and all my sisters had gotten married. My two best friends had gotten married. I was in five weddings in two years. I had a million bridesmaid dresses. And there was no one on the horizon. I didn't see anyone. And my requirements were basically Christian, tall, and breathing. (laughs) So... But when I was discouraged in the season of waiting on God and meanwhile becoming the person God wanted me to be, then in that season, I took the energy and I began to use it in prayer. And I would pray for my spouse, not for him to come into my life per se, other than this scripture. I would pray, Lord, I agree with your word. None shall lack their mate. And by your spirit, you will gather me to my spouse. I don't know how you're going to do it. But you know, God orders people's steps. He'll order someone's steps. He'll order your steps. And it'll cause the intersection to happen if you'll pray about it. And don't try to do all the worldly ways, per se. Just do it God's way. Well, anyways, God ordered our steps. Jeff and I met. But meanwhile, for about two years before Jeff and I ever met, I was praying for him. Because I figured I was 20, I think I was 26 when we met. So I figured he's got to be alive. Because if the man has not been born yet, I'm going to be in trouble. So I knew he was alive somewhere on the planet. 
And I knew the Lord knew who he was. So I just prayed for him according to God's will. Specifically, you can write these down, singles and marriage. You can still pray these prayers for your spouse. I still do. I still pray these prayers for Jeff and I, for our kids, for you guys, for the church. I prayed specifically the prayers found in Ephesians 1, 14 through 20. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. You can look them up. And I would just put Jeff's name or put spouse's name in it. Lord, I'm praying these prayers. Lord, I pray for my spouse, wherever he might be. Lord, I pray according to your word that you would give him the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, open up the eyes of his heart to know the hope of your calling. Now, see, Jeff was in business. He was a principal partner of a multi-million dollar business. But that wasn't his calling. But he was very successful at it. And I'm praying for this guy. I don't know where he lives, but I'm praying, God, open up the eyes of his heart that he would know the hope of your calling and the power toward him who believes. Well, lo and behold, God's then working in Jeff and moving him out of business into ministry, a calling to be a pastor. And there was lots of other factors that went into that, but I know the prayers played a role. And so when we met, and there's all those prayers, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1, all of those prayers were in motion so that when Jeff and I met, it was as if it was just such a well-greased machine. Not, not just that we clicked and loved each other, but, but even just callings-wise. Like we would laugh about things that God put together. God knit together something that was accelerated. I mean, do you all know, you probably don't know the story, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because of time, but we only knew each other, had only been in each other's presence for 40 days before we got engaged. And that was over six months because I was in Tulsa, he was in Michigan. Now, it turns out we went to high school together. He was two years older, so I knew who he was, Two Tall Jones, but he had no idea who I was. And kind of thankfully, because it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. <laughs> I'm kind of glad we met when we did. Anyways, um, but all the while I'm praying for this guy, scriptures. I don't know it's Jeff, but once God gathered us together by his spirit, then boom, 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 boom. It was just, it was a God thing. Well, 40 days we spent in each other's presence. We got engaged and I moved back home. We got married August 2nd. And like the next week we packed up and moved to Tulsa and he goes to Bible school. He left the business world to follow God's calling. And now we just celebrated 35 years. So I mean, obviously it worked so far. So good. So you guys that are single and you're praying for a spouse, if you do it God's way, he'll knit you in ways you could never, you could never do in the flesh. But if you'll pray those prayers and believe God for your spouse, it will be good. And all the singles said, amen. Let me show you this meme. Some of you have seen this. I heard some married people say that. (laughs) Here's the meme. Christian girl, Jesus, send me a godly man. Jesus, okay, here you go. Christian girl, ooh, he's 5'9". Jesus, (laughs) are you kidding me? (laughs) Anyways, I think it's funny. Um, all right. You guys ready for another question? Question number three. I want a baby. Can I pray for God to give us a son or a daughter? Can I pray for a boy or girl? Well, the answer is yes, you can definitely pray for a baby, but not for the gender, not for the boy or for the girl. And we'll talk about why. Uh, here's a couple of, um, scriptures. Psalm 113 verse nine. If you're married and you're wanting a baby, then whether you conceive naturally, whether you adopt, whether you foster, whether you engage in fertility uh, methods, whatever, whatever way it ends up being that you have children, children are a blessing from the Lord. So here's what it says in Psalm 113 verse 9. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children, praise the Lord. Well, there's a promise for you. I don't know, does God want us to have kids or not? If you desire to have kids, here's a promise. One of the gals in the church, I I won't mention because I didn't ask for permission, but years ago, we were preaching this scripture on a Mother's Day, and they laid, she laid hold of this. She laid hold of this scripture. They really wanted children. And, um, 
she said, I dialed in on the word children, plural. She dialed in on the plural. And do you know, through a series of events, the Lord brought two amazing kids into their lives as babies. And they became part of their family, adopted into their family. And now the kids are grown and doing great in life. And, and they're doing great. But she grabbed onto this. The joyful mother of children. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is, is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Well, there you go. Keep having them babies. Keep birthing them babies, y'all. First Samuel, let me look at one more verse, and then I want to talk about how it's practical. First Samuel 1, verse 8. It's lengthy, but I, I, I do want you to see, see most of it. This is Hannah, the story of Hannah. And Hannah wanted to have a baby. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And verse 10, and she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul. That is an intense grief. That is that Nothing can soothe you grief. There is a, there's an internal uh, feeling. And, and many of you have had that feeling, if, if not for this desire to have children, for other reasons. There's an internal want, an internal, uh, cr- you know, craving is, doesn't really do it justice. It's a grief. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed. She took the energy and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. This is heartfelt. She is pouring out her heart to the Lord. Some of you, it's not about a baby, but you are in this place. You are in this place. And all God has wanted to do is encourage you today. Get in your prayer closet, pour it out, get in the prayer closet and pour it out to the Lord. Verse 11. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Now, in her case, she asked for a male child, but there's more to this story prophetically. So there's a little bit there we'll come back to. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. That was part of what was required of the priesthood. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. People say, well, when I pray, do I need to be like out loud? Can I just pray internally? Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So we'll answer that question real quick. Yes, you can certainly pray and not have it be audible. Just like we have the eyes of our heart, the ears of our heart, we have the mouth of our heart. You can lay in bed next to your husband or next to your wife, and you can just pray heartfelt prayers that aren't necessarily audible. Now there is a time to lift your voice. As we mentioned, there is a time to give voice to it audibly. But in this occasion, you can see an example. She prayed, but it wasn't audible. It was to the Lord, but it was from her heart. Then we go on. Uh, She was praying this way. Eli watched her and thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have neither drunk wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now, this is an interesting little truth here. Her face was no longer sad. What did she have? Fullness of joy. But she wasn't pregnant yet. But she didn't have a baby yet. What did she have? She had faith in the promise. She believed she received, and joy came. You can always tell when you're in faith because there's joy. If you say, well, I won't have joy until I see the baby, 
that's hope, remember? From, that's not faith. No, she was no longer sad. Why? Because she knew it. I got it. Got it. Faith is now. Got it. Okay, thank you, priest Eli. I'm no longer sad. But see, how did she get there? She poured her heart out to the Lord. You know, some of you, that'll be a new experience, perhaps, because maybe you have not been that vulnerable with the Lord. Maybe you've never gone for a drive in your car or gotten in your prayer closet or gotten in a lone, uh, in, in a lone place. Jesus often went to the mountains to pray, get alone with God. And in that place of being alone with the Lord, you can talk to him about things. And, and we'll get to it in a couple of weeks. Sometimes you know what to pray in your understanding. You know, you know the words to say, but there are many times there are things we want to pray about and we don't even have the words. What do we do then? We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But for now, the idea being, man, if you just haven't gotten with the Lord, even if it's a surrender prayer, even if it's just like, Lord, I just have been running. I haven't even surrendered to you. I have so many things I want to pray about, but let me start with surrender. You know, sometimes I think about some of the the most profound times I've ever had with the Lord. I I love the mountaintop times. I love when everything's going great, you know, things are blooming, life is good. I I love it. But I also love it when you're in that, oh, kind of season. And you put your face on the floor. And you tune everything else out. And maybe you put on some worship music. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you pull out an old hymnal, kneel by a chair. And from your heart, you begin to pour it out to the Lord. And often it does include tears. Often because you can't even give voice to some things. But God understands those tears. He gets the voice of tears. And I just have a sense. I'm trying to move on, but I keep coming back. I have a sense there's many of you here. That is where you're at. And you're frustrated. And you know God's word and you've experienced this, that, and the other, but there's a, there's a, you're, you've hit a wall and the Lord's encouraging you today. Hey, it's not too late. Don't give up. It's not over, but I need some time with you. I need you to get in a place with me, get in a secret place with me. And you pour out, you pour out your heart to the Lord in prayer and, and do it with what you do understand to pray about. Amen. So that's what we see concerning Hannah and having a baby and praying for a baby. Now, what about gender? Other than this account with Hannah, and like I said, there's some prophetic things because he he was going to be a priest and a prophet and so on, her baby was. But unless the Lord tells you ahead of time you're having a boy or a girl, which we have every reason to believe that Hannah somehow had heard from the Lord to know that she was going to have a son who would be in the priesthood and not use a razor and all that. Mary and Joseph... The Lord told Mary and Joseph they would give birth to a son. Elizabeth and Zechariah, the Lord said, you'll give birth to a son. Abraham and Sarah, the Lord told them. So unless the Lord tells you ahead of time, it's really smart not to claim a boy or a girl. Claim a baby. Claim a baby with divine destiny. Our experience in talking to people through the years is it's about 50%. (laughs) 50% get what they asked for and 50% don't. They get a baby, but not the gender they asked for. Well, there's no Bible precedent to ask for a gender. You can tell the Lord your desires. You can say, oh Lord, we'd love to have such and such. But in that case, not my will be done. Your will be done. God has eternal destiny on people. He knows better what they need to be. Amen. And, and the reason that is important, and I want to caution you, is because we have counseled people over the years that really were believing God for a, a particular boy or girl. So much so they decorated the nursery and all the things because they're using their faith. You know, bless God, I can use my faith. And it's true, but we can only use our faith when it's congruent with the rest of the word. Well, then when they had the ultrasound and found out they're having the opposite gender of what they were believing for, Instead of that day being exciting, celebratory, amazing, they're now having to work through some grief on what's supposed to be a really happy day. They're having to work through grief of what they're not going to have to then get excited about what they're going to have. Well, that's no way for a baby to start. (laughs) And it's really not healthy for the parents either. So best plan is believe God for a baby. And ask him all the things you want to ask him about it. 
and then trust him for the gender. And all the people said, all right, you guys doing good? I'm trying to go a little bit fast because we have a lot to cover, but I don't want to go too fast. So as long as we're pacing it good, everybody's good with the pace. Question number four. I prayed for someone else, but nothing happened. Why? Now, this is a big one. This is a big one. This one, this particular one takes people out of the game. This is where people get mad at God because I prayed for someone else. I prayed for my aunt and she died. I prayed for my sister, my brother, my mother. I asked the Lord to do this or that for somebody, so-and-so, and it didn't happen. And so I'm throwing the whole thing out. I'm mad. I'm done with it all. This prayer stuff, you faith people, you know, the whole, the whole gamut. So what about that? Well, let's look at a scripture and then let's talk about some of this. Deuteronomy 29, 29 is really a great passage and very comforting along these lines. The Lord, our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. In other words, another version says it this way, the secret things belong to the Lord. Things revealed belong to us. So sometimes we pray too fast. Sometimes we pray our will, our desires too fast. If somebody asks for prayer and you want to pray for them, you certainly want to and should. But before you jump into a prayer that you may not even believe, they may not even believe, or there may not be all the facts needed to have been revealed, and then you just get discouraged by lack of an answer. It's better just to take a moment and say, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for this person. What would you like, what would you like us to pray? I'll, I'll give you an example. A lady came up to me years ago in one of our other buildings at the end of service. And she said, oh, please pray. Please pray for my daughter-in-law. She is, I'm trying to think what the situation was. But it was a life or death situation. I forgot what, what she, she was dealing with. But it was a life or death situation. Please pray for my daughter-in-law. Just, just pray. We just pray that she lives. Something to that effect. Well, I mean, that's a massive request. An important request. And as I'm talking to this woman, I sense from the Holy Spirit, she's going to die. She's not going to live. So now I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I do? Because I don't want to discourage her, but I also don't want to pray a prayer I don't believe. That wouldn't help her faith because I'll pray a prayer, blah, 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 blah. She dies. Now this lady's mad at you. What should I do? So here's what I said to her. I said, well, I said, listen, I don't know your daughter-in-law. And I really didn't know this lady either. I said, but let's do this. Let's pray. Since the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit shows us things to come. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will show you exactly what you need to know to pray. I thought that would be a good way that I could believe that. And then the Holy Spirit could help her through the process. So that's what we prayed. Pray the Holy Spirit would show her things to come. And I really never saw her again, so I don't know. She may have been visiting that day. I really don't know. But see, that would be an example that I could have prayed a cookie-cutter prayer. But then what would that have accomplished for her or the daughter-in-law? See, we can pray in faith for people in our world where we have authority. Your sphere of authority. So for an example, no one has more authority in your life than you. So you can always pray for your life with authority. The Bible tells us about spouses. The husband has authority in his wife's life. The wife, 1 Corinthians 7, you have authority in your husband's life. You can pray for your spouse. You can pray for your children. You have authority related to your children and other degrees of authority. But those are like the primaries. You know, for Pastor Jeff and I, in our role as senior pastors of this church in Southwest Michigan, we have a degree of spiritual authority in this region. That's why we prayed the way we did at the beginning. Because I could either not do anything and kind of squander the moment or no, use the moment you have authority. We all have authority as believers. 
But then specifically, spiritual authority in our particular role in the region, we can pray certain things, decree certain things, according to the Bible. We'll see one of those in just a minute. So, so back to, I prayed for someone and it didn't get answered. So what's the best rule of thumb? Well, the best rule of thumb is always endeavor to get them to agree with you or you get in agreement with them. Many times we'll go see somebody in the hospital or be in a situation and people always want you to pray. Of course, it's, it's human nature. Everybody always wants you to pray for the miracle. Pray for the highest and the best. Of course, we all want that. But it's better to say, what do you believe? When we go pray for people, usually we'll just say, we're going to agree with you. What do you believe? What do you believe in for? Where's your faith? To see what they're believing for. Because if you're believing to shoot the moon and they're believing to leave the parking lot, you're not in agreement. So it's always best. Now, if they don't if they're weak in faith, then you want to build their faith up a little bit and see if you can help their faith get built up so they can believe for more. But we can't impose our will on other people. For an example, if we could pray for other people our will, then we'd all pray that everyone gets saved. But you can't pray for somebody else to get You can pray for them to be saved, to hear the gospel, to open their hearts, to surrender to Christ, to confess Jesus as Lord. You can pray for them to do that. You can pray that laborers come across their path and share the gospel. You can pray a lot of things for them, but you can't receive salvation for them. Every single person will stand before the Lord on their own to give an account of what they did with what they knew and what they believed. So it's not unlike praying other things. You can't receive healing for someone else. You can pray for them, though, to hear the word, for faith to come, and for them to receive their healing. The wisdom they need as it relates to doctors and surgery and therapies, all the pieces of the puzzle, all the pathways that God uses to get us healed, healthy, and whole, you can pray for them to have wisdom and the knowledge of the word to believe for themselves. And all the people said... They can agree with you. Jesus said, if two or more of you on earth agree as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. So you have to be on earth. You have to agree. They have to agree with you. You have to agree with them. And then you have to ask. It's not just agreement. It is an asking. And we agree in Jesus' name. The Bible says it shall be done. So if you can find people that will agree with you and ask in Jesus' name, that's always great. But sometimes people say they agree, but they don't. And that's reflected by what they say afterwards, which we'll get to in a minute. So back to, I prayed for somebody. It didn't happen. What do I do? Well, you should always try to pray for people, be spirit-led, and, and see how God leads you. You definitely have authority in your sphere of influence, your sphere of authority. Use it. Um, when it's somebody you don't really know, or you're not really an authority in that person's life or that situation, then you seek the Lord. Lord, how should I pray? The Holy Spirit helps us. You can always pray the word. You can always pray the prayers in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. We know those are God's will for all his people. Amen. So brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, where we went to Bible school, he told a story and, uh, and this is a good story worth, worth mentioning. He told the story of somebody he went, he was called on when he was a pastor. He was called upon to go pray for this person. He got to the hospital to pray for this person. And, um, he, and this person was in a coma and not having a great, you know, prognosis. And he was getting ready to pray for this person. And he felt the Holy Spirit kind of arrested him and said, don't pray. Here's what he heard. Spiritual laws have already been set in motion And they cannot be changed at this time. Well, he didn't really know what that meant, although he knew the voice of the Lord. You know, he'd been walking with God for a long time. So he knew God was speaking something to him. Spiritual laws have been set in motion that cannot be changed at this time. He was like, Lord, what is that? So all the different preachers that were there and family members gathered around. And, you know, he prayed a blessing of some sort, but not, he didn't directly pray over the person because he felt from the Holy Spirit not to. So 
anyways, a little bit of time went by and this man died. At the funeral, Brother Hagen was at the funeral and he tells the story that at the funeral, he was talking to either his mother or his brother. I forgot. He was talking to a family member of this particular person. And this person who died was a young person, 39. He's at the funeral and he was talking to one of the family members and they said this to him. They said, oh, you know, bless Doug. You know, God bless Doug. He always said, Doug always said, you know, Doug always said, I'll never live to see 40. Doug always said that, you know, Doug always said, I'll never live to see 40. And when brother Hagen heard that, he felt the quickening from the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit said, that's it. Doug with his own words had set in motion spiritual laws that could not be changed at that time. Why couldn't they be changed? Because the only person with authority to change it was Doug, but Doug's in a coma. So Doug can't reverse what he'd said over his life the whole time. Just like Proverbs says, you're snared, you're trapped with the words of your mouth. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit. Like our words, which we'll see in just a moment, are huge. He had set in motion spiritual laws that came to pass, and they couldn't be changed by somebody just praying a prayer. Now, had Brother Hagin prayed for him in the hospital and he died, then people would be mad at God and mad about the Bible and mad about everything. The fact that he didn't pray probably made some people mad. But it's more of a learning thing for us to go, okay, Lord, you know, the secret things belong to the Lord. Very few people really knew. And in fact, what can happen sometimes is let's say a bunch of people went to the hospital, prayed for Doug, and he died. So then what happens is then a lot of people begin to circulate the knowledge of, well, you know, God doesn't answer prayer. He's not healing today. God's not doing stuff he said he would do. And they just get vanilla in faith because of what? Because of what they don't know. The secret things belong to the Lord. Things revealed belong to us. Well, thankfully, it was revealed to Brother Hagen in that scenario, the behind the scenes spiritual laws. And thankfully, he shared it with us so we could learn something. But do you know, we don't always know. God doesn't always reveal things. He's not a gossip. Who's glad he's not going to reveal all your business? (laughs) He doesn't reveal everything. But he does reveal to us what we need to know. The secret things belong to the Lord. Lord, I don't know why that happened that way. I don't know why that prayer didn't get answered. I don't know. I don't understand it. God, I don't understand it. And you can ask him, Lord, reveal to me. Show me. When I'm ready to hear it, show me. You know, a lot of times we're not ready for a while to know why. Lord, help me. Reveal it to me. But until you do, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You're good. You're God. You are not a man that you should lie. If you said it, you'll do it. Your word is true. I believe you. I believe there's some things I don't know. And I'll have to be okay with it until I know more. But I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to throw the Bible out. I'm not going to cast away my confidence in your word. And all the people said, amen. Now I'll give you one couple little caveats real quick. One caveat to this is if the Lord puts upon you, for lack of a better way to say it, a, a spirit of intercession. Intercession is a type of prayer, and I think we'll get into it in a couple of weeks here, but intercession is a type of prayer where God enables us to pray for people as if we were that person. We literally take their place, just as Jesus was our great intercessor, took our place on the cross. In prayer, we can take the place of another as if we were them. And that's a type of prayer. So I'm giving a little caveats here. If God gives you that, yay. Um, And like I said, unless the Lord gives you a word of knowledge that you would know why he reveals it to you, then you just have to go with what you do know. Are you guys following all this? Is everybody good? Trying to encourage you because we've all had situations we didn't understand. We've all had situations like, Lord, I don't get it. Say all these things in the Bible. What is going on? Well, there's spiritual laws we have to be advised of, and that's what we're doing our best to advise us ourselves of 
Some of these spiritual principles, spiritual laws that are, that are realities. And that it's just like, I don't like the law of gravity. But it is a, it is a natural law. And the sooner we understand it, the safer we'll be. And the sooner we understand it, the more we can utilize it for our benefit, a.k.a. the law of lift, a.k.a. airplanes. The more we understand some spiritual principles, the more we can engage with God in some amazing ways. And all the people said, you guys ready for another question? Question number six, when I pray, do my words make any difference? Yes, 100,000%. We've just alluded to it, but I want you to see a couple of verses real quick. And then I got one other, well, maybe two, we'll see. Uh, Job 22, verse 27 and 28. You will make your prayers to him. You will make your prayers to him and he will hear you. And you will pay your vows. You shall also, get this, you shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. That's from the Amplified Bible, by the way. Job's, the, in the book of Job, we're told that we'll pray our prayers to the Lord, but praying and saying go hand in hand. You see that in Mark 11, 23 and 24. Jesus said, you'll say to the mountain, be thou removed. Be cast into the sea. You'll not doubt in your heart, but you'll believe the things you say shall come to pass. And what things soever you desire when you pray. Very next verse. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive and you shall have. Well, he's talking about saying in verse 23 and praying in verse 24. In this passage, he's talking about praying at the first part of Job. And right in the middle, he's talking about saying what you pray and what you say go hand in hand. You see it throughout scripture. And the reason for that is because you can't go north and south at the same time. When you pray something and you're heading north, you have to keep the rudder set. And James tells us, the book of James tells us, our tongue is a rudder. It steers the ship. So you can't pray for something to go north. You know, you're wanting to go north in life, let's say, and you pray about it. Then all you have to do at that point is set the rudder of your mouth to go north. Keep your words in alignment with what you prayed. See, people pray for things, and what we've been guilty ourselves. You pray, and then you inadvertently, well, I hope, I hope it happens. Well, I'm just believing. But we use phraseology that's not faith. You guys out there? You can't go north and south at the same time. James said you can't have bitter water and sweet coming out of the same fountain. My brother, and this ought not to be so. You have to have sweet water coming out, stay north, have your words align with what you pray about. If you've prayed for something, you're asking God for some things and you believe you received it, just stay on it. Through faith and patience, you'll obtain. Don't turn yourself around. A lot of times we're like a ship. We're like a little sailboat. We'll go sailboat. We're a little sailboat out in the lake. But first we start at the port of I don't have. I don't have a spouse, a baby, a new job, a new house. I don't have. But, Lord, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe you for these things. You pray the prayer, and you get your mouth in alignment with what you prayed. Set the rudder. You're cruising around the lake. Life is good. You're heading to the port of desire fulfilled. But somewhere out in the middle of the lake, the rudder, which is your tongue, the rudder shifts gears. Well, I don't know why it's taken so long. I don't know if we're going to get it. I mean, dear Lord, it's been three years. When's it going to happen? God, did you even hear me? I don't know. I I hope it happens. Going back to the port. And we just, we wander in the wilderness by virtue of words. And we're all guilty, so I'm not throwing any stones at you. We all have to get our mouth in gear. No, really, we do. We have to get our mouth in gear. Only say what you believe. This is a discipline, but it's a good one. Don't say words you don't believe. I'll give you a good example. Somebody says, hey, pray for me, will you? We say, oh, I'll be praying for you. Will you? Will you be praying for them? Well, I didn't want them to feel good. Yeah, but 
they don't need your feelings. They, they need to know if you're praying. So don't say, I'll be praying for you if you don't really believe you will. Then just say, hey, I wish you the best. Hey, if the Lord brings you, hey, when the Lord brings you to my heart, I will pray for you. There you go. I can believe that. Right? Because see, the more you get in the practice of saying words you believe, the easier it will be when you actually need to believe your words to pray in faith and believe it. But if you're in the practice of, oh, I don't even believe half the stuff I say myself. Then when you really need to believe your words, you'll be in trouble. You'll be a double-minded man, like the Bible says. Y'all out there? You guys able to eat all this? Believe what you say. Only say words you believe. That'll eliminate a lot of words. That will eliminate a lot of words. Only say, make it today. Try, see what happens today. <laughs> Let's go for one day. God, I'm only going to say what I believe. Wow, what do I believe? Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And all the people said, last thing, I want you to see this, last thing. Will God, we have to cover this one. Will God answer my prayers faster, better if I fast? If I fast, won't that like supersize, expedite my prayers? This story in Mark 9. Now, the reason we're covering all these questions isn't just the specific question. It's the principles, right? Mark 9, verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought to you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, the demon saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And the man said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The man's crying out for help for his son. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. The man said, if you can do anything, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Honest, I believe, help me where I have unbelief. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So, so lengthy story, but here's the things we want to mention. If I fast, will God answer my prayers better? In this story, we have traditionally looked at this story and thought it was a story about demons and about fasting and prayer to cast out demons. That's what the traditional view of this story is. But if we go back and look at it in detail, we actually see this is a story about faith. And Jesus said it at the very beginning. He said, you faithless generation, how long am I going to be putting up with this? And then the man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus said, if you can, well, if you can believe, all things are possible. Like it's a whole story on faith, believing, believing God. So then when Jesus rebukes the demon and the demon leaves, the disciples said to him privately, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And Jesus said, well, because this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. We've thought this kind of demon only comes out with prayer and fasting. But that's not what he's talking about. And you don't see that throughout the rest of scripture. This kind of unbelief comes out only by prayer and fasting. 
the whole story is about unbelief. Faithless generation, this kind of unbelief only comes out with prayer and fasting. What is he telling us? When we pray and fast, people say, well, if I fast, no, will God answer my prayer quicker? If I fast, won't God be obligated to do? I fasted about that, you know, and then the next day this happened. People think fasting is a rabbit's foot. A magic wand of some sort. It's not. The purpose of fasting isn't to supersize your prayer to get some miraculous answer. It is to supersize your faith. Because when you and I fast for one day, one meal, three days, 40 days, whatever the duration, when we fast, we're quieting our flesh. Our flesh wants to eat all the time. We're quieting our flesh. We're, we're allowing our spirit to become more dominant, our inner man, our heart, to be in a place of faith. And then from that place, we pray prayers that get big results. But it's not the fasting that somehow God's obligated. Oh, they fasted for three days. I guess I better do this. It's the unbelief that gets resolved and faith comes. Amen. You guys out there? That was a quick little hopscotch. Oh, Rabakita. So much to cover. Well, that was a quick little hopscotch through lots of questions, but we got a lot more to cover in the next few weeks and get into some other chapters in the book. So I just wanted to give you guys a taste of of um, these questions, which I think are very foundational and will help you. I hope all of this is beginning to help you in your prayer life. So we're going to hit pause and we're going to come back next week and pick right back up. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is so rich and you put so much in it. It's right there in plain sight. Help us, Lord, to have that spirit of wisdom and revelation, to see it more and more and more. Things revealed belong to us. Help us, Lord to pray effectual prayers that bring great joy in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody that agreed said...